802 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh, BCHL CEO Chris Hebb is going to join us in just a second. Before we get to Chris, need to do some storytelling. The hour three of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Very happy to be joined by our next guest. As mentioned, he is the CEO of the BC Hockey League. Uh, Chris Hebb here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Chris. How are you? Morning, guys. Doing well. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. So I know it was a, a summer of change for your league, and we kind of wanted to get the story out there in a sense of explaining it to the listeners. Kind of a confusing situation. So what decision has the BCHL made? Why did you make it? Basically, what is the problem that the league and you are trying to solve? Well, it's been a long time coming. I mean, this discussion started well before I came to the league, and I've been here five years. And it's really about uh, the regulation of hockey in Canada. And uh, Hockey Canada, obviously, is the federation that oversees hockey in, in Canada. And I think what happened uh, a few years back is there was a Canadian development model that was put in place that really didn't account for what the BC Hockey League became. We kind of outgrew the model because the model was really about Junior A, our level, feeding up to Major Junior. That completely uh, discarded the concept of having a league that generates college scholarships, which is what our league does. We, we have uh, NCAA scholarships coming into our league in numbers that no one's ever seen before. Uh, as an example, guys, and, and I mean, you might not follow Division I NCAA hockey, but it is, you know, a, a huge feeder system for the NHL now. Last year in Division I NCAA, we had almost 25% of the roster spots had come through the BCHL. So this is a growing uh, part of the hockey ecosystem that the BCHL is really good at and we should all be proud of. But under the Hockey Canada system, it really doesn't get recognized because it's considered the quote-unquote American system. And the way we look at it is if we're getting kids to college and yes, some of them are going to go on to the NCAA or, or onto the NHL. Mm-hmm. We think we've done a great job for Canadian kids and others to advance and develop in the hockey ecosystem. And uh, we weren't being allowed to do it under the regulations in a way that we felt was fair. So, Let's say there's a really talented 16-year-old kid in Nova Scotia, and his dream, because he's got a very demanding father, is to play hockey at Harvard. He doesn't want to go yeah. play major junior. He wants to go play hockey at Harvard. Um, you know, he, want, he does have an NHL dream, but if the NHL doesn't work out, he'd have his Harvard degree. 
What are his options? So under the Hockey Canada regulations, until he's 18, he can't leave Nova Scotia, except for the fact that some of our branches or provinces don't have Junior A, and then they'll allow them to move. But if you're in Ontario and you want to go to Harvard and you want to follow the college path, you were not allowed to leave that province until you were 18 years old because you were considered part of that branch and they wanted to hold on to you as long as they could. Whether that was good for your development, that, that's open to debate because a lot of those kids, now that we're not in Hockey Canada, are coming to the BCHL where on any given night, there's scouts in the, in the rink, there's people watching and there's the, the kind of notoriety and respect that gets you to college. And in, in their own, in their own uh, areas where um, they don't have the level of hockey that we have, they were locked in until they were 18. Or they'd go down to the States? Yeah, and that's the real I- ironic thing about it, is a lot of those kids just chose to go to the States. And and to me, I don't understand how that is helping Canadian development. It's really saying, you know, we're not going to let you go to the BCHL, but we're fine with you going to the United States. What does Hockey Canada want that 16-year-old kid to do? Well, under the Canadian development model, what they want them to do is sign a major junior contract and move through that system. That, that, that is the Canadian system. The only problem, guys, as soon as somebody signs a major junior contract, they become instantly ineligible to ever play NCAA hockey. So they can't go back. And so it puts a lot of pressure on young kids to sign. And what we're saying is, why don't you just take a break, you know, and play in the BCHL, play close to home, don't worry about whether or not you're going to get to the NHL at 16 years of age. Just develop. And if the college route turns out to be the right one for you, you've got that option. As soon as you sign in major junior, you don't. Mm-hmm. So we, we've always, and there's nothing, this is not against major junior. I mean, we think that's a fantastic development system. Right. And, and, and we believe that that is a great development system, but so is college. And Hockey Canada should support both. So when you went to Hockey Canada, this has been an ongoing thing for, for a number of years. What kind of solutions did you suggest? And then what was the pushback to those solutions? Well, first of all, we were part of the Canadian Junior Hockey League, which is a group that was the umbrella group for all Junior A across the country. So what we did is we worked through the CGHL and we said, look, you know, this is the way to do it. Can we can we change some of these regulations so that, for instance, tiering, you know, there's 130 something teams in junior A across the country and they're all being treated exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're getting these, you know, kind of lopsided scores that don't make any sense. Why don't we tier junior A? Uh, The other thing that we thought was good is why don't we take kids that are clearly, uh, you know, elite and give them 
the best experience across the country instead of forcing them to play their junior A in their home province where they may not have as good an experience. So those were the ideas that we took to the CGHL, but guys, you got to remember there's 10 leagues represented in the CGHL. We're only one of them. And those other leagues didn't see the advantage to them. So you're never going to get there. So what we did then is, okay, well, let's go to Hockey Canada directly and see if we can get our branch, which is BC Hockey, to support looking at the system again. We wanted to see if we could modernize junior hockey and not be stuck in this development model that, um, that we, we felt needed some amendments. And that was going nowhere. And that's the unfortunate thing is it's really difficult to uh, move an organization the size of Hockey Canada in a direction that is, you know, a one degree or two degree change. It, it kind of uh, keeps its course. Mm-hmm. And, and we found it very difficult to even get a conversation going. We're speaking with Chris Hebb, the CEO of the BCHL, the league that just left, decided to leave the Hockey Canada umbrella. So, Chris, um, you know, the BCHL has even said, like, this is a bold move that we're making here. Um, Was the old situation for you simply untenable going forward? Like, why make this huge risk? You know, there are people out there that are saying, like, you're gambling the future of the BCHL with this decision. And, and there's definitely uh, that, that consideration that we spent many, many days, weeks, months in planning exactly what would we lose. And our board went, okay, uh, what do we actually see coming back to us by being a member of Hockey Canada? And we couldn't really find anything that was as compelling as being able to free ourselves up to be able to create more opportunities for players. And that was the decision that was made. It was really player-centric, guys. It's not about the owners. None of these guys are out there making a ton of money at this. They're, they're really doing it for the right reasons. But we saw that the system was creating a lowest common denominator in junior A where, okay, you can come and play junior A, but you have to pay me to play. Mm-hmm. Well, what we voted to do in the BCHL is said, we are not going to have players pay to play. When you get to this level, you get recognized as an elite athlete that no longer needs to buy his way onto the team. But that's not the case across the country. Junior A has kind of slowly eroded into a situation where that's what we have is players paying to play hockey. Well, Chris, we're out of time, but thanks for coming on and explaining your side of the argument. Um, Perhaps we can check back in a little later on to talk about how it's going for you guys. What are the good things? What are the bad things from the decision? Because it is, is an interesting yet kind of confusing situation for people to follow. Well, for our fans who do follow, you should know that, uh, you know, we, we open on September 22nd. We're going to have a record number of college committed players coming in this year. 
Uh, we have attendance that is much higher than previous years, even before COVID. The league's going to be fine. And, and we, we feel that if, uh, if, if you're around uh, our rinks, you'll see that the level of hockey is going to go up because now we're able to get really good Canadian players, really good American players, and finally we can even have a couple of Europeans. So these are the things that, uh, that the fans are going to see. We just wanted to get better, guys, and we're going to. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate this. Have a good one. Okay, take care. You too. Thanks. That's Chris Hebb, the BCHL CEO here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We go right back to the phone lines for our next guest. She is the Senior Director of Community Engagement and Social Impact for the Vancouver Canucks. Alex Oxenham joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks, guys. How are you? Uh, we're good. So I know you're coming on to discuss the initiative that the Canucks are currently undergoing in support of all of the wildfires across British Columbia. Can you let our listeners know what this initiative is? Absolutely. Obviously, we um, have been following and our hearts have been reaching out to all the people impacted by these horrific fires, not only in our province, but around the world. And we wanted to do our part to help. And we have such a unique platform and access to such unique experiences and events. So we have launched an online auction um, that is open until tomorrow at noon, offering some incredible concert experiences, um, restaurant experiences from our top table group, and as well as hockey merchandise that kind of thing, just trying to help raise a good chunk of money to help these families that have been impacted this summer. Uh, I see that you're selling tickets into the press box, press box seats and behind the scenes tour. I imagine I mean, Matt, that's going to get bit up guys. huge. Yeah, yeah. Well, not Halford. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he's been to a game in, in a decade. Hang out with Jason, <laughs> I might go once in a while. Um, Alex, where where does the uh, where does the money go? Uh, which which who are you working with here? We are working with the Canadian Red Cross. They have an appeal to support the BC fires. Um, so we'll be donating all the funds there. And they, they from there, they can assess the most urgent needs and distribute the money accordingly. So, I'm sure it's been hard for the organization to just, and everyone that works with the organization, you know, Tyler Myers was talking about how his family was evacuated from Kelowna. Uh, it's It's been difficult for the organization to watch what's been going on. And um, you guys just feel like you have the platform to be able to help. Absolutely. I mean, we're blessed with incredible fans in the province and around the world. And anyone can bid on these experiences. Um, there's no geographic limitation and we just want to do our part i mean we we try to think of ourselves or like to think of ourselves as bc's biggest family and these are our, all of our family members who are being impacted we're so grateful for the support of our fans this is how we can in turn help them in return uh alex thanks so much for joining us and one final question what is the best high school in the lower mainland uh mcgee obviously McGee. yeah mcgee <laughs> A couple McGee alums, obviously, the right. high school. Alex, nice chatting <laughs> with you. Thanks for coming on and talking about this. Thanks, guys. And just to let your listeners know, uh, the bidding is open, as I said, until noon tomorrow on vanbase.ca. Thanks, Alex. Take care, guys.
Uh, Alex Oxenham, who is the Senior Director of Community Engagement and Social Impact for the Canucks. Uh, again, it's vanbase, V-A-N-B-A-S-E dot C-A. Uh, auction runs through, what's today, the 7th? Tomorrow, September 8th at 5 o'clock. Um, so let's chat a little bit about this BCHL um, decision. Laddie, yeah. you're involved with the BCHL. Um, my question for you really is how big a risk is the league taking by leaving the Hockey Canada umbrella? Well, it's huge. As you heard Chris Hebb say, you know, he's been there for five years. It's been the major course of discussion in his time there and then also pre-existing him coming to the BCHL. So it's been, you know, bandied about mm-hmm. for, for decades, it feels like. And I've, I grew up a fan of the BCHL, you know, Chilliwack Chiefs games growing up. So I followed the league pretty regularly and it has been discussed, you know, the the restrictions that Hockey Canada applies uh, to a league like the BCHL. It's because the league is so unique that mm-hmm. they have the these these run-ins with the the regulations, and it was really the only course of action, like you heard him say. Right. Um, do you think there will be players that will say, actually, I don't want to be part of the BCHL if you're not under the Hockey Canada umbrella, because Hockey Canada whether you like it or not, wields a lot of power in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's already happened. There's been a few players that have left the BCHL teams and signed, because you're just a free agent at this point, once the BCHL uh, did what they did. right? And there are sanctions that have been put into place. The BCHL knew they were coming, but uh, they are not allowing anyone involved in the league to do anything Hockey Canada related for a full year. Mm-hmm. So if you are a player... You can't just leave that year and go sign with another. That's it. You're you, you are, kind of got a black mark. On yeah. You, right. So the reasons why Hockey Canada is doing that is a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains that that's what's in place right now. Um, do they still have roster limits on the amount of non BC players? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people will be listening to that interview, and we just didn't have time to get into it with yeah. Chris. I apologize, and we'll have him on. Later, a lot of people will be like, oh, you're talking about poaching players from, not poaching, but recruiting players from Ontario or the Maritimes or even Europe. What about the players from BC? Mm -hmm. You're the BC Hockey League. Shouldn't you be developing BC players? Yeah, they've they've addressed that a few times, and the number hasn't changed. That's what they keep telling people. It's been five BC players is the minimum. Mm -hmm. Most teams are over that number. But th- that number hasn't changed, even despite all of the other changes that the league has made. It's just sort of elevating the level of player that they can recruit, essentially. That's how I view it. So instead of getting the 18-year-old guy who burned out in the USHL, okay, I'll go try the BCHL, you're getting a 16-year-old kid that wants to develop in Canada and is a potential NHL draft prospect. It's a tough position for them to be because the BCHL and the Alberta Junior Hockey League are considered the cream of the crop of those junior A leagues, but they were put on par with all the junior A leagues across the country. So they're basically saying like, we've done a really good job here, but we feel like we've reached our limit here. So we're, they almost feel, I I, I don't want to put words in their mouth, so I'll ask you, do they feel like they're... (sighs) In the middle between the CHL, which is the WHL and the QMJHL and the OHL, and Junior Junior A, like they're kind of in that middle, and they and they want to be able to carve out their own their yeah, own place. I think that the the issue that they run into is because of the uniqueness of the league. There aren't any other league. There isn't another league in this country like the BCHL, like he mm-hmm. says, that sends a number of kids that they do to NCAA, and they just wanted Hockey Canada to recognize that. 
hey, we're doing something really cool here. We've been doing it for 60 years. Yeah. I, I understand the point of not allowing rogue leagues. You don't want a bunch of them popping up. A lot of them are kind of scammy. A lot of them are minor hockey that they just want money from parents. The BCHL clearly is not that. Right. They are a league with a like, long history. We've been history. here for a long time. Yeah. We've been so doing why are a good they job. treating them the same way with the same type of yeah. sanctions that they would to a true rogue league? Well, I see? know there's issues. Uh, I don't. I've I, I just kind of heard them offhand in minor hockey right now in BC. There's breakaway leagues that aren't going to be under Hockey right. Canada, and they're so they're kind of dealing with those same issues. And what Hockey Canada will say is like, listen, we're the seal of approval on a league. But I guess the BCHL is saying, we don't need your seal of approval. Like, our seal of approval is good enough, as opposed to some league that's just going to start out of nowhere and say, we want all the best kids, mm. you know, and, and, and going that way. And, and it's a league that doesn't have a draft, right? It's Every single year is built on recruitment. And that should tell you that it's a testament to the type of coaches that the league has, because they are the ones that are bringing in the talent to the league and have been for decades. Mm-hmm. So... Clearly, the coaching and the development that this league provides is on a different level or a, just a different scale than what we've seen from other leagues across this right. country. So and it's great that it's happening in BC. I get people that are upset about not wanting or, you know, players from Europe and stuff, but having this type of league in your backyard mm-hmm. is a huge advantage in my eyes. Just because the the quality yeah. of the league is... Do you, think, do you think the quality of the hockey will improve? Yeah. Do, do you think there's a potential, though, in the BCHL for the rich to get richer and the, the struggling teams to struggle even more? I think the struggling teams are an advantage here because now your prospect pool is way wide open and right. you can recruit any player like Chris had mentioned. So I think... Just the options, if, if there's a truly, a, it comes down to the coach. If they're a great recruiter, I think some of the small market teams could have a really fun time with some of the, the European, especially uh, players you could bring in. Uh, text your what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, Abuse in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. We will share a few what we learned. And then you... We'll send in your what we learned, which we will read. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. On the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show, where you're part of the show. Download the podcast and stay up to date on Vancouver sports all summer long. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program, featuring, of course, what we learned time. Hour 3 brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Okay, uh, what we learned time. Bruff, you have one, correct? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, no. uh, Laddie and A-Dog have one each, right? I don't know if A-Dog, he hasn't been in the room since... Where did we... A-Dog go? <laughs> he left. Can we do Aaron Rodgers, please? Because I learned something about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we... I can set this one up. Okay. But I'm not going to spoil the audio for anyone, because I'm not sure who's heard this or who hasn't. Okay. So, I haven't heard this. Uh, this is 
Aaron Rodgers. Well, what, do, wait, 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 no, what have no, you learned? What no, have you learned? I'm not going to spoil it. You're not going to spoil it at all? The audio will tell. So you, you learned that there's some interesting Aaron Rodgers audio. I know what he says. Okay. Let's right. find out. Okay. Ready, set, go. We heard the sound and we saw this tremendously large object moving through the sky. And it was like a scene out of Independence Day. Whatever the hell it was, I don't know. But it was definitely unidentified. It was definitely flying. It was definitely a large object. What the hell was that? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, came into contact with the UFO. <laughs> that was on the final episode of HBO's Hard Knocks, which, according to reviews, has been super boring. And according to further reviews, that was the only interesting thing to come <laughs> from the entire series. So Rogers says uh, he and two others witnessed a UFO sighting nearly 20 years ago. Wow, he's been sitting on this. It maybe that maybe in, that's why he is the way he is because of this UFO sighting, according to Aaron Rodgers, twenty years ago. Um, he remembers. I'm listening. I'm, I'm reading the uh, story on today.com. No, I know. I can tell you what happened. Okay. Uh, it was in 2005. It was when he was in New York for the NFL draft. He was staying at a buddy's house from Cal, and they saw a UFO up in the clouds. They're said. in New York City. Yeah, New York City. Like was it a helicopter? Uh, it was technically New Jersey. Sorry, it was, okay. It wasn't New. It wasn't like in Manhattan. Okay, uh, he it was said, clearly lost. He said, "Up in the clouds, we heard this sound and we saw this tremendously large object moving through the sky. It was like a scene out of Independence Day." This is the clip that we heard <laughs> when the ships are coming into the atmosphere. Are you just rereading the clip? No, I'm telling you that the man saw a UFO 20 years ago with his friend. Steve Levy. And then he said, 30 seconds later, they heard what sounded like fighter jets. <laughs> Did he ever, like, look into it? No, I don't. Did he do, like, a Google search the next day? Like, what happened in New York last night? I don't know what's going on. I do. If he heard fighter jets, what happened is somebody at Area 51 stole a UFO created by the U.S. government and started flying it around, joyriding it. Mm. And those aircraft he heard were sent after the stolen UFO to shoot it down. Because the guy shouldn't have been flying it. Oh, that, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that's probably what that's happened. what it was. Yeah, like that's, it. Pro- that's probably what happened yeah. for sure. Got to the bottom. I, of this. I did want to do this. What we learned though is a segue into uh, NFL because someone asked. I think it was Taj the Blueberry guy. If we're going to continue to do uh, our locks of the week this season, right? Because they've been just a hit year after year. <laughs> we are uh, Halford and Bruff lock of the week. We'll be back. Uh, our apologies for not doing it. Technically, we should have done it today. Because we should have done it in advance. I think we normally game. ignore the Thursday games, but we, we? O- yeah, we often do it on Friday as the sort of lead into the weekend, right? So we'll do yeah. them tomorrow. Uh, locks of the week. You can watch us go sub five hundred, but close to five hundred for the better part of the year. Anyway, moo cow, all that. Now, a dog. Before you ran away, did you say you had a what we learned or no? I forgot. No. You, okay, great. <laughs> great work. Is anyone prepared Excellent. for this show today? I have one. Great. Okay, Laddie, you've got one. I've got one okay, because go. I was looking ahead, doing some research. The Blue Jays play the Royals coming up. Yes. Okay. I always mention them as a team I do not care about, mm-hmm. do not pay attention the to. The Kansas City Royals. Kansas City Royals. So I looked at some of the stats of their players this year. Do you guys know what Zach Greinke returned to Kansas City a couple of years ago? What his record is this year? No. <laughs> I don't know what he's Zach- I, like. I'm not a big pitcher wins guy, but he is 1 in 14. Wow, nice. That is his actual record. What? 1 and 14. How much of that is bad luck versus well, half of it's playing the, for the Royals. Yeah, his ERA yeah. is not too bad. It's 5.34, but mm-hmm. 
man, like in, in his second season, he was five and seventeen with the Royals. So if he can get four more wins, he can. What is he get getting paid? Oh, it's not a ton amount. He's oh, okay. just kind of back there on a whim, I think. All right, he's okay. 39 years old. He's at the end of his career. But I just that jumped out to me. Not many pitchers stick around in games long enough to hang to 14 that many losses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of baseball, the Yankees beat the Tigers last night. The Yankees are 8-2 in their last 10. Uh, they beat the Tigers last night, and that ruined an otherwise perfect number. Because you know what their record was going into last night's game? 68 and 69. No, 69 and 69. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, to be ruined one way or another. It's a nice record. No longer nice. Mukau. Mukau, that's 69. All right, let's print out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Still time to get yours in. 650, 650. Uh, Cole in Calgary, what we learned. I think the BCHL changes are great for the BCHL but a headache for the WHL. The Giants in particular are already suffering with the Abbey Canucks in town. Now they're going to get squeezed from the other direction by improving BCHL teams offering more competitive products. Yeah, if it works out for the BCHL. And if the BCHL is able to sell that. Like, How many people actually go to those games and would notice a difference between the BCHL, you know, two years ago versus what they could become now. The scouts will. But yeah, but the scouts aren't paying tickets. No, but I'm saying that's, it's a developmental league and yeah. scouts will notice. Hey, no, but I just, I just, I sometimes wonder like how much money is at stake here? How many, how many more tickets? They're just taking a big gamble. That's all I'm saying. And is the juice going to be worth the squeeze Ooh. of, of doing this? Because even Chris Hebb, you know, he said, like, listen, guys, like, most of these owners are just in it, they, he said, for the right reason. So it's not like they're like, I need my money. Right. Right. I need my return on investment. You would hope not. And, you know, there's better ways or easier, probably easier ways to make money. But I just, I'm still trying to get a handle on how big a gamble this is for the league's future. How big a gamble is it on the league's future, laddie? It's a bold move. Yeah. It's It could backfire for sure. Anytime you exit Hockey Canada, I think mm. it's... You're taking a risk on your own, and there was a lot of preparation that had to go into it. getting insurance, getting officials. They had to hire full-time officials, about 200 of them, I think. Right, and those guys wouldn't be able to do Hockey Canada stuff. None then, of those right? officials They'd can have work the black off. mark. We're already at a shortage of officials, so now mm. 200 or so shame. are, are shame. Shame. BCHL, shame. Yeah. Okay, so you also wrote yesterday, because we were talking about this, where I was like, I should probably care about this. Um <laughs> How will this affect local communities, especially the ones that will be left with no referees for minor hockey? Where, what are we talking about here? Well, like I said, the referees had to make a decision. If yeah. they wanted to referee in the BCHL, they had to essentially sign with the BCHL. Okay. And Brad Lazarowicz is, is heading up this uh, mm-hmm. organization that will oversee the officials of the BCHL. I remember him. And they had to make them make a, a choice and sign a paper, essentially, to say, we're going to referee BCHL games. That means mm. a year ban from And referees Canada. are so conservative by nature. They're like, <laughs> do you want to join this rogue league? They're like, oh, it's too yeah. rich for my blood. <laughs> but uh, but well, that leaves communities in jeopardy, right? Because you have towns like sure. Merritt, Alberni Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of referees in those areas. And now there's ones that are specifically going to be reserved for only BCHL games. Guy in the street with the, what we learned, I learned Aaron Rodgers was doing mushrooms around the time he was drafted in New York. Is yeah, he, that, that could be possible too. Was he hanging out with Jake Plummer? I think Jake Plummer only recently got into it. No. No, but it wasn't like 20 years ago. Might have been. Really? Un- under, the, under the cloak of, of darkness. He's been, he's been off the grid 
and doing very unique things for a long time. We should chase Jake Plummer. So Jake we, Plummer. We, we got to get Jake Plummer Everyone on the knows show. who we're talking about, right? Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake, the former NFL quarterback, Denver Broncos, Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals. He got deep. I thought it was squash, which is why I said squash yesterday, but I actually think it's competitive handball. It's handball, which is played in a squash court, right? Right. But he's a handball guy, not a squash guy. But anyway, um, he got to like... What's the sport in Europe where they... Like, they have nets. That's and European handball. That's European handball. Yeah, we're what was talk- Jake playing? Slap slap the ball on the wall handball. What was that, like Brooklyn handball Yeah, or pretty like much, that? yeah. When he wasn't playing stickball with his friends across the street from his local bodega, right. he was playing slap handball. It's not it's called slap handball. Called slap handball. It's not called slap handball. It's just called slap ball. Okay? No, it's not called slap ball either. That's a totally different sport. You play it in your teenage like, years. Don't they play mostly. that in prison? Yeah. yeah like, they, we're giving you a ball and that's they, it. They do. <laughs> Figure and it out. The winner gets all the cigarettes. That's how you play it. Anyway, okay. this does go back to Jake Plummer because then he became an advocate for, God, I hate saying it like this because I sound like an, a, a 60-year-old boomer, psychedelic mushrooms. He was, he's growing... Was it Ayakuza? Is that how you pronounce it? But it's I have no idea. But okay. but it's not just the psychedelic mushrooms that he's making, right? He's he actually thinks there's a lot of value in chanterelles, truffles. I, uh, I don't know. What's one of them? Lion's mane? Is that one? Maybe I don't know. I, I'm not really all that up to speed no, with I. the. I just with take the them if they're given to me. I don't, you know. That's true. Most of them are <laughs> most of them are in a Ziploc don't bag. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, eating handfuls of them. At a Which concert. way is this going to make me? Yeah. Don't do them before the Blair Witch Project. Can tell you that. that an experience there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get, if you get Jake Plummer on the show, I'll just I won't even, it won't even be a question. It'll just be an anecdote that I tell him. I want to read this one from Marcus and Gibson's sure. what we learned. I learned Ilya Mikheyev won't quite be ready for training camp after playing long into a lost season last year. Okay. So there is some confusion on this. And I was watching Donnie and Rick yesterday and I was laughing. Donnie and Dolly? Yeah, Donnie partners and Dolly. Partners of ours, let's yes. get their name right. Well, it's Rick. Donnie and Rick. No Rick Dollywell. No one calls it the Donnie and Whatever. Rick Whatever. Donnie was uh, totally needling uh, Dolly about the information that Dolly obviously got from Dan Milstein, Mikheyev's agent, that uh, Mikheyev might not be ready to play preseason games. Now, he, it sounds like he might be a participant at training camp. Okay. But Rick said that preseason games might not be on the menu for him. So okay. we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, Mikheyev obviously recovering from a very serious injury. Injuries that typically take a long, long time. You remember he was shut down in January of last year, and then he had the surgery, I think, in the beginning of February. And the idea was like, okay, we're out of the playoffs. Let's do this surgery um, and make sure we're ready for next season. Right. So if Mikheyev is not ready for the start of the season, there's going to be a rightful, in my mind, criticism of the Canucks for waiting so long for shut for shutting down McKev. But what I was laughing about was Rick, who Dollywall, who clearly knew that there was going to be blowback on this. Oh. And then he used a I thought a fairly disingenuous argument to Donnie is like, well, what do you want him to do? Put him out there in the preseason when he's hurt? It's like, no, that's not the argument. Yeah. The argument is that, like, why did you guys wait so long in a completely lost season to shut Mikheyev down? The, the only thing that you should have been worried about, like, in November was that Mikheyev was going to be ready to go for game one of the next season. And for the people that say, but it was the player that said he wanted to keep going. 
you're the team. Yeah, you're in charge. You're the team. You're you the can boss. say, well, you're not playing anymore, yeah. so you might as well get the surgery. Don't put him out there ever right? when he's like, hurt. The, it Preseason, is, regular season, the don't Canucks, play him when he's hurt. The Canucks have made a lot of gambles like this. And Durant and I have coined the phrase reckless optimism, right? Like you gamble and hope it all pans out, right? And listen, McKeev could be ready to roll by game one of the regular season. And if that's the case, we'll say, hey, Canucks played this perfectly. They right. timed it perfectly. But if he's not ready for the first five games or if he's like clearly not even close to 100% for the first five or ten games, which I don't know if you've heard, are very important – Hashtag the then I think it's perfectly fair to wonder if they should have shut him down earlier. It's fine to wonder. Yeah, I don't. I the the argument that what are you going to do? Put him out there when he's hurt is hilarious because my answer would be no. That's what got him in this problem in the first place. Don't play anybody when they're injured. Uh, t- Jay from Richmond. Hashtag WWL. What we learned. Uh, fantasy draft grades mean nothing. Thank you, Jay. Jay goes on to write that I received an F grade after my draft. But I feel like the team is decent. Then he rips off a couple guys that he has. Yeah, um, it is. I, I the, the most intriguing takeaway for me was that um, they managed to utilize AI to give me the most useless bit of information. Like I don't care. What, I don't care. I didn't need a draft grade. I know draft grades are the thing. You know, it's like that's we always joke. Like that's the joke I make with whenever we have Sean Gentile on. That's you have to do trade grades. Mm-hmm. You have to do draft grades. People want instant reaction of who won or lost or who did good or bad. But when we start farming that stuff out to AI, I feel like we've gone too far. But then our jobs are going to be eventually farmed out. AI, to AI. is scary, man. Yeah, it's I don't like it. It is scary. It is. It's it's, it's really scary. I think we might be overstating how I'm quickly not. it's going to take everything over. I think it still has a lot of learning to do. I think. I just think the potential for disinformation, which is already yeah. out there, is just crazy. I think when in you can general, re- like people will be able to tell when it's not real. Like mm-hmm. I'm using uh, movies and uh, TV as an example. I don't know, man. They're saying we're going to use AI to write television scripts. And I'm reading. I'm reading. A I book don't know. Of, I don't think that will work. I'm reading a book about QAnon, and the mm, things a lot that of jokes there. these people. <laughs> the th- honestly, yeah. it is. It is. It is like the things that these people believe, and ju- they just want to believe them. Like they want, they want to believe them. There's all the evidence in the world that this is not true, right? Or this is ridiculous, right? And they, did, but they just want to. They're yeah. like, yeah, but this is. And for them, a lot of the times, it's like fun, mm-hmm. you know. And it and it helps them explain the world that they feel has been unfair to them. Mm-hmm. Basketball, Phil, with what we learned. <laughs> Back to hockey. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, no, no, don't get on my case. I get yelled at for belaboring, what, especially me, because I'm bad at it. Where I, we keep going too far, and then it's like 8.53, and we're oh, like, we're just no funny. It was just funny. Yeah. Like, we were talking about, could this end civilization? Basketball Phil's got a what we <laughs> Basketball learned. Basketball Phil's got a what we learned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more important matters. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Sean Payton has told Russ to, quote, unquote, stop kissing babies, and that he isn't running for public office. I can't wait to see how Russ handles Peyton. Oh, well, vice versa. Good I'll advice be- in general is to stop kissing babies. Yeah. If you don't know them, that's right. the kind oh, of thing you yeah. want to be doing. Yeah. I, lo- I love this. I didn't know I about this. I love kissing babies. He does love kissing babies. <laughs> oh. Why he's been da- banned from any parks. <laughs> yeah. This is incredible that Sean Baton said that to Russell Wilson. Yeah. So you're not running for public office. Oh, I love Sean Baton. <laughs> so this is I in, love it. Is he your new favorite you, player? I'm assuming you haven't read the No, I haven't okay. heard about this. There's a big Sean Payton profile up at ESPN, and it talks 
about a lot of different things. His time away from the NFL, the issues that he had following Bounty Gate, and then, of course, returning to the NFL with this particular <laughs> situation. And there's a, there's a bunch of instances where he's pretty blunt and pretty candid with Russ about, like, get your SHI together. Yeah. You know, like, play football and be a quarterback and don't be all these other things. His ego got away from him. Well, it, well, the it's, big it's, it's now, obvious to everyone except the ones that just truly wanted to believe but we all in know Russell that. Wilson, right? The big question now is... Yeah, but I like to kind of like reiterate it. Right, but moving forward... We had a very messy breakup, I don't know if you know. So, but moving forward, you may be able to get some more schadenfreude out of this breakup because mm-hmm. they've tasked Sean Payton with a very, very big and tough and complicated job. And quite frankly, I think maybe an impossible job. And... He hasn't been, I hate saying this, but he has not been relevant in a long time in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He hasn't. No. He hasn't done anything. The league moves. The league changes when you're out of it. It's why guys don't like being out of it. Because Mm -hmm. when you're out, people forget about you. So now Sean Payton's back, and the expectations are sky high, right? Now, an interesting wrinkle. Are they sky high? No one's yep. picking the Bar- yep. Broncos yep. To, to win a Super Bowl. That's not the point. The point is that... Well, sky high would be Super Bowl. Sky high is that there's expectations for everything that's been... They got a new ownership group in mm. place. They paid Russell Wilson an incredible sum of money. They're banking on the fact that last year was a disaster at the feet of Nathaniel Hackett, not Russ. Yeah, every, every story needs a good scapegoat. And that's what you got right now. I mean, Sean Payton was making Hackett a scapegoat, mm-hmm. right? So I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because I have zero faith and zero hope that Russ is going to start cooking. I think Russ is cooked. Yeah, I think that situation is a disaster. I'm I think sure. I think I think he he started to go down as soon as he lost his mobility. You want to know? And what then I at the see? same time, he was in denial about that, and he started becoming obsessed with the MVP, his legacy, um, his celebrity marriage. Probably didn't help everything because you were constantly talking about PR and how to get yourself out there, social media, et cetera. And, and, and then all of a sudden you're like, uh, remember football? Uh, you should, you should. That's what he you, said. Yeah. That's what he said. I could, you know what? I could honestly see hot take button. This is my, uh, that Sean Payton, uh, they finish at like six and 11 and he's done after one year. That he Sean looks, Payton being done. How yeah, much, how much yeah. money do they give him to come in though? Not as much as they gave Russ. Right. So I could see it being, well, we're going to the try new ownership group hire him. I could. Yeah. And I okay. could also see him walking away. You think it's going to go that badly? I think that what he's doing is admirable mm-hmm. and quite frankly, hilarious. Yeah. But I also don't think it's going to work. I think Russ will be gone before him. We'll see. I, I I would put who who do you think so yeah looking long term that's a good bet actually that yeah, is who leaves the Broncos organization first Peyton or Russ I would take Russ I'd take Peyton all right uh, uh, hold on no no no, no 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 you got news yeah Tom Willander yeah is suspended for the first game of the NCAA season what he What's dressed that? for two Swedish hockey league games and the NCAA is obviously we just heard Chris Hebb talking about how uh-huh. they view professional leagues he didn't play a single second. In those two games, apparently, but has still been handed a one-game ban for being a professional. So it's not. It's. It's. Yeah. I mean, that. I guess in theory could be worse. It's NCAA very light-handed could, for and, the NCAA. Yeah, NCAA yeah. could be like, actually, you're ineligible. Mm-hmm. Um, we should try and get uh, Will Anders signed to an NIL. Remember, we went down that road with Jake Livingston. We never followed up on it. 
Yeah, we should do something with Will Ender. Yeah. For sure. Is Zach Benson suspended for the first game of his? his oh, career? God. Here we go. <laughs> Curtis and White Rock, what we learned, I've learned that with training camp approaching, that I still feel apathetic about the Canucks this upcoming season because my expectations remain low. And I cannot shake this pessimistic feeling about this team, given how bad it's been for so long. You know what Rick Tockett would say to that? He'd be like, fair enough. I get it. Mm. Like, he's he's preached the same message. But, like, the thing is, Curtis and White Rock can't do anything about it. But his message to the Canucks is, like, you guys can. Mm-hmm. So are we going to change the narrative this season? I don't even want to introduce the question of what happens if the narrative doesn't change this season. Like, besides chaos in the yeah. Dunbar-Lumber text line. Complete and utter chaos. Because think of what's on the line here. It's it's not only like another season that would be lost in theory. We're just going down the line. Um, you know, you're also looking at like Pedersen's future with the team. And then if Pedersen forces out, like, okay, what kind of trade return are you gonna get? What direction what direction would you take then? Is it a full on rebuild? Are you gonna retool? I'm like, I don't wanna do it. Mm. I don't wanna do it. But I guess the potential is there, and that's why we are going to find out a lot about this group in the first 10 games. Is it all or nothing for the first 10 games? No, they could get off to a bad start and still make the playoffs. But hashtag the start. Man, a good start would go a long, long way. One quick one before we go. Chris needing coffee in Nanaimo writes in what we learned. Hashtag WWL. I learned you guys saved me in the mornings through a brutal school drop-off. Four kids four different schools. Oh, man. Can't wait <laughs> You're for tonight. <laughs> insane. Chris, we're with you, my brother. Good luck, buddy. Enjoy the football tonight, and we'll be back tomorrow to do this all over again. But for now, we gotta go. Signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.